Thanks for continuing to, to pour into our community to, to, again, share the love of Christ through some really practical ways. Uh, be praying for the Huntington City Mission as they kick off this new endeavor to, to really help uh, some of the homeless population down in Huntington. Well, I want to wish happy Father's Day to all you dads that are out there this morning. Uh, one of the biggest joys in my life is being a, a dad to our kids. God has used um, fatherhood to teach me more about his character and his love and teach me more uh, valuable life lessons and to grow me into a man than anything else uh, in my life. So I hope that you guys feel honored and celebrated today on this Father's Day. So um, we are in a summer series that we are calling Press Play where we are looking at some of the themes and some of the lessons behind our favorite worship songs. And this morning, we're gonna look at one of my favorites over this past year called Graves Into Gardens. Um, it's a song about how and where we can find true and lasting contentment. In the very beginning of the song, there is this, these lines that speak to looking for contentment in all the wrong places. And it says that I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. And I think those lines capture so much of the, the tension and the angst that people feel in, in looking for satisfaction and looking for contentment and fulfillment in this life. It, and this is nothing new. The, this um, desire and this tension to, to find satisfaction in this life is nothing new. In fact, there, there's a whole book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes, which was written by a guy named Solomon. He was king of Israel at the time and he had this wildly successful life. Uh, again, he was the king of Israel. He, he wrote uh, three books of the Bible. He wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. He oversaw the building of the temple. And get this, he had 700 wives and 300 girlfriends. That, that's a lot of trouble right there. I don't know how the guy handled Valentine's Day each year, but that, that's, a, that's a hard life right there. But the, the, the point of, of mentioning all of that is that he had no limitations in his life. He had no limitations to his resources, to his power, to his experiences. If you were to somehow fuse Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and Hugh Hefner, you would have Solomon. I mean, if there was anybody who was set up in the history of the world to find satisfaction, to find contentment, it's this guy. I mean, he had acquired all kinds of knowledge. He had amassed huge wealth. He had pursued all of these experiences in his life, and yet he still came up short. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's quite the depressing read. It's just full of cynicism, full of questions. And Solomon basically puts his life under review and says, listen, I, I'm not condoning all that I have tried in my life. I'm actually telling you all that I regret. I mean, I pursued all of these different avenues, trying to find meaning and trying to find fulfillment, and it kept eluding me. So learn from my experiences. He spends the first couple of chapters outlining all it was that he attempted. I mean, all the accomplishments, the, the wisdom, the wealth, the women, the wine, he had done everything. And he summarized it in a couple of verses at the end of chapter two. So Solomon says, so I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I'd take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything that I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like 
chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. I think that's an apt description of Solomon's frustration. I, I did all of these things thinking that I would find happiness, thinking that I would finally find contentment in my life, only to find that when I got to the end of those pursuits, it was like I wrapped my arms around the wind. It was like chasing the wind. It was empty. It was meaningless. It was hollow. Now, you and I may not have the, the same privileges that he did, the same platform, uh, the same amount of resources that Solomon did, but the hunger and the thirst for purpose and meaning and happiness and fulfillment is the exact same in our lives. And that feeling of frustration and that, those feelings of cynicism and those feelings of dissatisfaction with life are just as prevalent now as they were in Solomon's day. It's human nature that, that we're almost never satisfied with where we are. It's like the grass is always greener on the other side. I, I remember when Sarah and I, it seemed like we were just in this perpetual season of being parents of little kids. At one point we had four under the age of six. And I remember sometimes laying down at, at night and just dreaming about being an empty nester. One day when these kids are out of my house, we can go on vacations all the time. I can sleep in if I want to. I can have whatever I want for breakfast, go golfing all the time. And then I, we'd walk, inevitably walk into somebody who was in fact an empty nester and they'd always say things like, ah, you're gonna miss these days. Yeah, I mean, I, I miss hearing the, the pitter patter of those feet going down the hallway. And I'm like, I'll tell you what, I'll loan you mine. I'm like, you, you take my kids, I'll take your vacations. But I mean, it's like, isn't it true? Like we're, we're never quite satisfied with where we are. And then you look around and, and it seems like right now we have never had more access to what we have right now than any time in history. Technology has revolutionized our worlds. We, we carry in our pockets phones that replace like 10 different things now. It's like we have a computer and a calendar and a camera and a video uh, camera. We can even level pictures with our phones. And then Amazon will deliver practically anything that we can think up in two days or less. Netflix, you can watch hours and hours and hours of entertainment and shows and movies. We have everything at our fingertips. And yet year after year, it's reported that only a third of Americans would state that they are content in life, that they are satisfied in life. And that begs the question, why? We have access to all that we could ever think of and yet contentment still eludes us. If you're taking notes, the number one enemy of contentment is comparison. We, we live in this culture of comparison and I think we compare because in our society, the way that we keep score is by looking at our possessions. We're, we're insecure and we're always looking over our shoulder, comparing ourselves to other people to say, hey, how am I doing in life right now? In social media, it just throws gas on the fire. Um, it, you hop on Facebook just to wish someone a happy birthday and immediately you see a post about something someone just got and it makes you feel like maybe your life isn't quite good enough. You're confronted with a boat or a pool that, that you can't afford or a vacation that you're not on or someone's new house or someone else's success and some promotion that came into their life or someone's fitness goal. Is it just me or do those posts about fitness always happen when I'm eating something really unhealthy? Like I, I'm sitting here scrolling through and somebody's talking about, hey, I just finished my half marathon or I just finished this killer CrossFit and I'm sitting here eating chips and salsa. But, but comparison 
is what puts the dis in discontentment. I, I compare the contentment right out of my life. I, I compare the joy right out of my life. You, you finally save up and you get that car of your dreams like, man, I, this is it. And it is until your neighbor pulls in with his new car. Now all of a sudden your car doesn't look quite so good. Or God opens up the door for this perfect job and you love it. It's a perfect fit. You love the people, you love the work, it brings satisfaction until you find out that someone is getting paid more for the same job that you were doing at a different company. And now you're not so thrilled anymore. And, and our discontentment, is, it's fueled by this awareness of what someone else has. And my life was going great until I saw what you got. And then suddenly there's this flood of emotion and suddenly we're feeling less than, like we're, we're falling behind in life. We're feeling like we're not where we ought to be or we're not where um, other people think that we should be. And we feel like we're missing out on the good life. Comparison whispers in our ear, you need what they have to be accepted, to be loved, to be satisfied. And the crazy thing is, the person you're comparing your life to is hearing that exact same voice in their ear. It, it just, it, this comparison never wins and it never ends because no matter how much you end up achieving in life, there will always be somebody who has a little bit more that's a little bit cuter, a little bit fitter, has a little bit more money than you. Comparison never ends. And then you add to that that we live in this culture that is just saturated with advertising and marketing whose sole job is to convince us that our happiness is just one purchase away, that our happiness is just one decision away. And once you get that next promotion, once you get that new car, once you get into that next new relationship, then you'll be satisfied. And it's this constantly moving target. I, I ran across this quote from a comedian and actor, Jim Carrey. He said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything that they've ever dreamed of doing so they can finally see it's not the answer. He, he's like this modern day Solomon saying, listen, don't fall into the trap of this. I've tasted and I've experienced all that wealth and all that fame has to offer. And I can tell you, it ain't it. it, it it's not going to be the road, the path to contentment that you're looking for. He'd probably say like Solomon, it's like chasing after the wind. And if we're not careful, we will live in this perpetual cycle of searching and striving and toiling for our entire lives. It may not even know that we are doing it, believing that contentment is just around the corner. And what has all this chasing after the wind and chasing after contentment done for Americans? We're all worn out. We're fatigued, we're overworked and we are scrambling all the time trying to afford what we think will actually bring contentment in our lives. We're more in debt than ever. The average American has about $6,000 in credit card debt, mainly trying to buy our contentment in life. We're stressed out, probably because of the, the fatigue and the debt. There's more conflict in marriage and there's more conflict in our souls and our relationships are suffering. And in the end, we're still dissatisfied. I mean, if we're honest, we would come to the same conclusion that Solomon did. And we're still searching for contentment that is still eluding us. And this comparison-driven discontentment is killing us financially. 
It, it's killing us relationally. It's killing us emotionally. And I would say that it's getting us off target even in our spiritual lives. So how do we push back against this norm? I mean, the culture that we live in is not gonna change. The, the human nature that is inside of us, we're gonna to have to constantly push against. So how do we make a path forward and actually find happiness and find contentment in our lives moving forward? We're gonna take a look at a passage of scripture this morning from the book of Philippians. The Philippians is this letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church who were, were big financial backers of his. And he's going to share with us his secret to finding contentment in life. So Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So there's a couple things that I want us to, to grab a hold of in this passage. So the first is that contentment is something that has to be learned. It has to, has to be relearned. It's not a personality trait. You're not just born with contentment. No, you have to learn it. It's this acquired attitude that takes time, that takes practice to actually develop in our lives. Now, some of you, when you hear the word content in your mind, it's almost like this, this negative, mean, it has a negative meaning to it. Sometimes people will equate uh, contentment with complacency or with laziness or with a lack of drive. A lot of people get confused about this word and they think they have to settle or they can't dream, they, they can't be ambitious in life. But that is not what scripture means when it talks about contentment. We have to remember who it is that, that wrote these words. This is the apostle Paul. This is one of the most influential people to ever walk this earth. He accomplished more in his lifetime than a hundred people normally would. He changed history. He was about as ambitious and driven as they come. And yet he said he was still content, that he had learned to be content. So you can be content and still want things to change and still want things to get better. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Contentment looks like boldly praying and boldly dreaming and boldly planning for a better future, but humbly accepting whatever God says. Contentment is not settling for less, but it's trusting in God and his timing for more in our lives. And this was being written from Rome when Paul was imprisoned. And he wasn't just sitting oddly by, he wasn't just accepting this as his fate. He was still actively planning what he was going to do with his life after he got out of prison, the, the, the cities and the places and the churches that he was going to visit. He, he wasn't settling he was still trusting that God had a plan and God had a purpose for his circumstance right now. And while he was waiting for things to change, he was still content. So what was his secret? How do we get there? I wanna highlight three secrets to finding contentment in our lives. If you're taking notes, the first is focus on what you have, not what you're lacking. Paul says that, that our contentment is independent of our possessions. That's why Paul could say, I've learned to be content. It, if I had nothing or if I had everything, I could be content in either of those circumstances. Contentment is this attitude or this realization that life is not about things. And our contentment level really does come down to what we choose to focus on. 
Oftentimes, we, we are drawn to focus only on those things that we don't have in our lives, and that just leads to discontentment growing in our lives. It leads to worry. It leads to anxiety. It, it leads to these feelings like we're, we're missing out on life. And God knows that we tend to worry about life, and so he gave us the antidote to worry and anxiety. Just a few verses ahead of this, in verse 6, Paul says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Here's a real practical way for you and I to build contentment in our lives. Make, make two prayer lists. One is the request, the request list where, where you just lay out all of your needs in life. God cares about our lives and he wants us to cry out to him when things are not going the way that they're supposed to, to offer up our troubles to him. He, he doesn't want us to, to just hide them or to bury them. He wants us to bring them to him. So we make a list and we make these requests known to him, but then we make another list, a thankful list. These are the things that we are grateful to God for, his answered prayers, friendships in our lives, the, the ways that, that he has moved and guided and opened up doors in our lives. And instead of allowing yourself just to wallow and focus in on only what's wrong in your life, by an act of the will, start counting what you do have. We're alive. We, we live in America. We live in the best state in America. The, the God of the universe loves us. He sent his son to die for us, to pay the penalty for all that we have done wrong. I don't have everything that I want, but I have way more than I deserve. And out of those two lists that we make, focus more of your attention, focus primarily on that thankful list. Because again, if you focus on what you don't have, you will inevitably grow more discontent and more dissatisfied with this life. But if you focus on what you do have, and if you give thanks to what it is that God has done in your life, then you're gonna find that your contentment level just grows. That's just the way it works. And, and this applies in all kinds of areas of life. It, for example, take your marriage as an example. One of the truths of marriage is that opposites attract and then opposites attack. Hey, have you all found that out in your own life? I mean, the, the very things that, that attracted you to your spouse at some point begin to annoy you and they later drive you crazy. It, it's just human nature. We, we, you have two imperfect people that are thrown together and trying to walk through life. But one of the keys to a happy and contented marriage is to focus on their strengths, to, to focus on the things that you love about them and not their weaknesses. Some of you, the same thing goes with, with, with jobs. There are no perfect jobs. There are no perfect bosses. And you can talk yourself into being disgruntled and discontent with whatever you have. But... If you try to find the positives, the things that you do like about your job and what you appreciate, then you will find that you will grow more and more content with your job as well. So focus on what you have, not what you're lacking. And I would encourage you to make that list ahead of time so, so that when those feelings of discontentment, when those feelings of missing out start playing out in your mind, that you can say, no, here's a list of all the things that God's already doing in my life. So focus on what you have, not what you don't. The second is enjoy the present circumstance. And this is a little bit different than the first one. It's not just focusing on what you have, but it's actually making sure that you are enjoying your life in the present circumstance. Paul realized that life isn't about things. And he also realized 
that our contentment is independent of our present situation. He learned to be content in any and every situation. I think a, a truth that we need to grapple with and to settle in our own minds is that contentment can always, always be found in the present. But in the truth, we, we can be lured into this when then kind of thinking, that this idea that when I get there, then I'll be happy. When I get there, then I'll be satisfied with life. One day I'll be satisfied. Not today, I know not today, and, and probably not tomorrow. It, ha it hasn't yet happened yet, but, but one of these days when my circumstances change and when I get a little bit more, then I'll be happy over there. And we spend so much time thinking and planning for that future there that we're not enjoying the present. We're not present in the present. We're not fully alive to God. We're not fully alive to the people that are in our lives and we miss out on the here and now. Contentment says, you know what? I, I can be fully alive right here. I, I can be full of joy and full of peace here in this present situation. And I would submit to you that, that if you cannot be content with your current situation, that you will never be content with your future either. It'll constantly elude you. Today is the only day that we're promised. So train yourself, train your mind, train your eyes to look for and to savor and to enjoy the gift of today. God wants us to enjoy life, not just to endure it to the end. I love Paul's description of God in 1 Timothy. He says, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. I think a discipline that will lead to greater contentment in our lives is to learn what it means to be fully aware of God's blessing in your life. Look for the beauty in the everyday life. Look for it in people. Look for it in the laughter of your kids. I happen to love food. Look for it in good food. God could have just made food for us just to be fuel to our bodies, but he gave us taste buds and he gave us barbecue. I mean, he's a good, good God. And we, we, we should train our minds and our eyes to savor good barbecue. Uh, open your eyes and, and enjoy the wonder of each day and know that it is a gift from God for us to enjoy. So if we wanna learn contentment, we need to focus first on what we have, and then we need to fully embrace the joy of the present circumstance that we're in. And then the last thing is to find your purpose. Find your purpose. Uh, Paul said that the secret of contentment is actually found in chasing after God's will for your life. It's not gonna be found in changing things in your life or changing the circumstances in your life. You, you will never have enough money and you can never have the perfect situation or the perfect circumstance. True joy, true satisfaction is found in only one place. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And, and I know that this verse oftentimes is one that you see on athletes uh, um, underneath their eyes or it, it sometimes is applied to success. Remember the context of this is found as Paul is saying, I found the secret of contentment in my life. Contentment is not found in what we have, but it's found in doing the will of God through the power and the strength of our relationship with Jesus. It's finding our purpose and then chasing after it with all that we have. 
we only have a small amount of time on this earth. We have 70, 80, 90 years maybe. And then we have trillions and trillions and trillions of years after that because we are eternal beings. But God has a plan and he has a purpose for this one and only life that we have. For these 70 or 80 years that we are on this planet, God has a purpose for that. And what if you miss God's purpose for your life because you're trying to keep up and chase, chase after whatever that next thing is. Your life is too short and your time is too valuable for you to just waste it chasing after the wind. I think we need to do a, a periodic checkup and ask the tough, the tough questions in our lives that says, what am I really living for? Is the primary goal of my life just to get more and more? Is that... How do I keep score in my life to know whether or not I'm chasing after what I'm supposed to? What do I think about the most? What do I dream about the most? What do I talk about the most? What, what do I spend my time on the most? Contentment comes from knowing your purpose in life, of wrestling to the ground. God, why in the world did you make me? What, why am I here? What is the purpose that you have for my life? And here's the thing that I think we'll find. When we find that purpose and that plan and we start living it out, we will be the most satisfied and the most contented people in the world. And all these other things that we are chasing after kind of fade back into the background. But to do that requires that I do what Paul says. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I need to rely on Christ. I've got to trust Christ to give me the strength to live out God's purpose for my life. So what does that mean? What does it mean to trust Christ? What does it mean to rely on him? It means that if he says to forgive, even though you don't feel like forgiving that person, you forgive them anyway. And if he says, be patient in the circumstance and don't just cut bait and run, but I want you to endure, that means that you hold tight and you endure that season. If he says, use healing words with people instead of tearing them down. If he says that you need to cut anger out of your life. If through some people in your life, it becomes evident that he is wanting you to change careers, then what this means is that you decide. I'm going to live the kind of humble, life before my God and on the other side of that obedience on the other side of that trust is where you'll find lasting contentment because it's in those places that we are actually living out God's plan and purpose for our lives and the freedom that that brings in your life it's almost unimaginable I mean, can you imagine a day where you can get out from underneath that burden of having to have the perfect life of having to find that perfect circumstance or having to have those perfect finances for your, for your life to be content and satisfied. Contentment is, is God's promise to us, but we have to learn it and we have to relearn it. I, I am still learning this process of what it means to be content in life. It's a constant learning process, but it's one worth pursuing. But because the more that you learn this contentment, the more joy there'll be in your life. The more joy will be in your family's life and in your kid's life. You, you can live with joy and purpose 
in any circumstance, in Christ and through Christ who loves you and who gives you the strength to chase after God's purpose for your life. And when those feelings of comparison start welling back up again, when those feelings of discontentment and chasing after that next thing start coming back in again, you can say, no, I'm not gonna do that. That's just chasing after the wind. It's gonna leave me empty and discontent and dissatisfied in this life. And I don't want to waste this one and only life that I have. I'm gonna fight back against discontentment with thankfulness, with seeing the, the blessings in life and enjoying the blessings of life and then chasing after God's purpose for your one and only life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you love us enough that you give us your word and that is just as relevant and just as true today as when it was written thousands of years ago. God, if we're honest, um, there's a lot of Solomon in us and we keep thinking that our contentment will come when we have that next thing. But God, in your love for us, you have shown us through the words of Solomon and through the words of Paul that that will never be enough. That the only place that we can find contentment is in the present. And the only way to find contentment is through finding our purpose and aligning our lives with what you say is right and true and good. God, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. I pray that it would stir within us some um, inner dialogue to be able to identify any of those areas of discontentment and to hand them over to you. And God, open up our eyes to be able to see the present circumstance we're in and how we can have joy and contentment because you are with us. And that can be more than enough. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the grace that allows us to pursue this. It's in his name we pray. Amen. And we're going to close out this morning with some songs. Why don't you go ahead and stand up and join us in worship this morning. Oh, you still call me free. 
Lord, we thank you that there is no one greater. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Your very body